The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Take your Bibles this morning as the ushers hand out the pass out the uh, study sheets, and let's turn together the Book of Hebrews. Hebrews, and we're going to go to chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We've been discussing for uh, quite some time now the Great Commission, and we've looked at many different aspects concerning the Great Commission. And um, the current mini-series, series within a series that we're on, is concerning the implementation of the Great Commission. The implementation, in other words, uh, the, the, the process by which we carry out the Great Commission. And back when we started with the implementation, I, I used the illustration of my father who was a, who was a builder and, and, and he, he had tools. And those tools aided him in, in the building. The tools didn't have the knowledge to build on, of, their, of themselves and the tools could not, could not actually do anything of themselves, but they were, the, they were what my father used to build, and he had some tools he really liked, other tools he didn't like so much, and things such as that. And and uh, I use that to to launch us into a a study as to how we should conduct ourselves, what our lives should be like, that we might be useful tools to God. And we looked at these things, and we so far we've listed five different five different responsibilities that we as believers have to in order to um, fulfill this. Great Commission. Number one, I said we were to walk worthy of our Father. We're to have a life that's worthy. We're to, we're to live our lives worthy of God the Father. And I, I said that that encompasses two basic th- thoughts. Anybody remember what maybe one of them was? With walking worthy of the Father? It means to, to walk, to, to live your life in a, in a manner becoming of God's glory. Becoming of the honor of the Father and, and befitting his nature. Of the things we discussed about walking, living worthy of the Father. And then secondly, we said we are to work, walk circumspectly. And I gave two thoughts there. Uh, two thoughts about walking circumspectly. One is that we are, that we live our life heedful, heedful of God's constant presence and heedful of the will of God and live that life disciplined. We must be, we must lead disciplined lives. We must, we must control ourselves. I used to teach our young people in the school that there are two forms of discipline in this life. One is imposed discipline and the other is self-discipline. Now, a child, when they're young, we impose discipline on them. Imposed discipline leads to knowledge and and leads to the ability to self-discipline yourself. In our society, children that are not, do, do not receive imposed discipline, receive that imposed discipline as an adult by spending time in jail and prison and other things. So if you really want to teach your children discipline, do it while they're young. Teach them young because that way, by the time they become young adults, they'll be able to discipline themselves and lead self-disciplined lives. But that's what it encompasses to walk circumspectly. We lead a disciplined Christian life. Then number three, we said we're to walk in holiness. And uh, in that, we talked about the fact that there is no holiness in us. And we will never have holiness of ourselves, but 
upon salvation, we were given holiness, we were given righteousness, and that is the holiness and the righteousness of Jesus Christ our Lord. And we're to live in that righteousness. We're to live our lives in, in surrender and submission to Christ, that his righteousness might shine forth through us in this present world. And then we said, number four, we were to walk in the Spirit. And when I mentioned when, when I talk about walking in the Spirit, four thoughts come to mind. First is an awareness. If we are going to be able to live our lives in the fullness of the Spirit, we're going to have to live our lives with an awareness of the truth that God is ever with us, that the Holy Spirit is always present in our lives. Have an awareness of that. Secondly, my thought was an agreement, that we live our lives in agreement with the, with the will of God, in agreement with the direction of the Holy Spirit, not in opposition to God, not in opposition against the Spirit, but in agreement with that. Third thought was compliance, that we comply. And does anybody remember what it means to comply? Anybody remember? It means to yield yourself to another's what? Will. So compliance means that we, we, we yield ourselves to the will of God. But then also there's submission. Now submission is yielding what? To another's authority. Very good, yes. And I, I mentioned that many, there are a lot of Christians that comply, but many of them don't submit. Okay, we yield to God, we know God's will, but we fail to, to recognize his authority, and therefore we do not walk in that will of God. So we must have both, compliance and submission, if we are to walk in the Spirit. And then, and then uh, two weeks ago, we started in discussing number five, we are to walk in love. And I mentioned three things about walking in love. One, we're to walk in love towards God the Father. And that is because of his righteousness and because of his love for us. Because he first loved us. God loved us before we ever knew him. He loved us when we were unlovable. And therefore, he is worthy of our love to him. We're to walk in love. Secondly, we said towards Christ our Savior. And this is because he has purchased us with his own blood. Paul said, what? Know you not that you're not your own? But you are bought with a price, and you owe God, you owe Jesus Christ your life. You owe it to him. It's, 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 it's rightfully his, and, and we must yield ourselves to him and live our lives uh, and love him as we should because he's purchased us. And then thirdly, last week, we said, or two weeks ago, we said we're to walk in love towards one another, towards each other, because we're brethren. We're to love each other because we are, we are all together children of God. We're, we're brothers and sisters through Jesus Christ. And therefore, we should love one another, not, not hate one another, not despise one another, not, not argue and fight against one another, but love one another. And this is very important. Jesus said that by that love, by our love for one another, he said the world would know that we're his disciples. And, and you can you can tell Christian you can tell a man is a believer or a woman is a believer when they have love and compassion for their fellow believers. So these things are important. We walk in love. Now today we're going to actually finish with the implementation of the commission by looking at number six, and that is we are to walk in faith. We are to walk in faith. We're to live our lives in faith. Look with me at Hebrews chapter eleven and verse one. We read here, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
We haven't prayed yet, so let's go ahead and pray and ask the Lord to bless this time. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. We thank you for the wisdom that you've given us through your Holy Spirit. And we just ask, Father, that as we gather around your word at this time, that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher. And Lord, that we would learn and and, in our hearts and minds be encouraged and uplifted that we might we might be those tools that you use uh, to, do, to do your work in this place. Thank you for this time. Now we ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Faith is easy to comprehend. I mean, you can, you can go to, to young children and talk to them about faith, and they, they can comprehend what you're talking about when you talk about, when you say faith. It's easy to comprehend, but it's not so easy to fully understand. It's easy to assert one's faith, to claim, I have faith. But what does it really mean to have faith? What does it really mean when we say we have faith? Well, that's what I want to discuss this morning. I want to place my focus on what is faith, the definition of faith. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Is faith real? Is it something Real? Or is it just a concept? Is it an imaginative force that, that we call upon when we feel troubled? Is it substantial? Is it something that we can actually touch and feel and use every moment of our lives? Or is it only reserved for those, those times of desperation or times of testing? What is faith? Well, I want to look at two aspects of this this morning, given to us from the scripture. Uh, The first thing this morning I want us to see is, first, I want us to look at the substance of faith. So letter A on your study sheets is the substance of faith. Look again at Hebrews 11, verse 1 with me. The author here starts out, now faith is the substance of faith. Of things hoped for. I thought about that this week as I was preparing, and I I looked up the definition of the word substance. And in the concept that we're speaking of, the definition I've placed it on your study sheet is the choicest or most essential or most vital part of some idea. That is one of Webster's definitions for substance. So I asked you a few moments ago, is our faith real? Is it substantial? Is it tangible? Everybody understand what I, what I mean when I say tangible? Everybody know what tangible means? Tangible means it's this, this podium is tangible. I can touch it. I can feel it. I can use it. It's a tangible item. An intangible item would be... Uh, Something that, that, that is just a thought or an idea. Air. Is air tangible? Is it? Of course it is. Of course air is tangible. We can't see it, like faith. But I can breathe it in, right? Huh? Air occupies space, does it not? Air is tangible. Gas is, gas is tangible. Because it can be manipulated, it can be used, it can, it can serve a purpose. So faith is like, think of it like air. We can't see it, and we really maybe can't even feel it unless the wind is blowing. 
But it's there. And it's real. And, it's, and it is indeed tangible. It can be touched. It can be felt. Our faith can be sensed. Our faith provides us with confidence. In times of fear and doubt and worry, it's, it's the, the substance of our faith that gives us courage and strength. It is the substance of all things that we hope for. How many of you hope for heaven this morning? Huh? What, what's the substance of that hope? What is it? Faith. Faith is the substance of all these things that we hope for. It's, it's the, it's the tangible, tangible part. It's faith. It's, it's real. I think people don't, don't grasp this. It's, it's real. It's not merely a knowledge or an awareness. We hope for heaven and, and faith is the substance of that hope. We hope for righteousness on this earth. We hope that we can live our lives in righteousness before God and before our fellow man. And, and it is faith that is the substance of that hope. We hope for strength in times of weakness. We hope for, we hope for strength to, to, to endure temptations and, and we hope for strength to, to stand tall and, and face of, in the face of opposition and, and, and continue for Christ. And it is, it is our faith that, that is the substance of that strength. It's not merely a knowledge or an awareness. It is an integral part of the nature of the new creature that we are. Behold, if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. And he is a creature with a tangible faith. Now, unsaved men, they may, they may claim to have faith, but their faith is intangible. It's non-existent. It doesn't really have any, any substance. But our faith has substance. It's, it's real. It's tangible. It, it's touchable. It's usable. It, it's what we wield in, in times of weakness. It's what we lean upon when we're, when we're, when we're weak. Going through life with a knowledge of faith is not going to give us any strength. It's not going to give us any hope. It lack, it, it's lacking substantiation. It, it, it's not tangible. It is a concept only, but not a reality. This somewhat explains why so many people go through life and fail to accomplish anything of importance to God's work or his church. This all stems from the, from the fact that they do not have a tangible faith. Or even if they are saved, they do not understand that they have a tangible faith, and they treat their faith just like an unsaved man would treat his faith. Consider the words of James in James chapter 2 and verse 18, where he states, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Now, I'm aware that the context of the passage here in James is dealing with salvation by faith and faith alone. I understand that. However, I do not believe that we do any injustice to the scripture by applying it to my point here this morning. You see, an empty faith, one that is not tangible, it will not produce a life of works. When we view our faith simply as a concept, simply as an idea, simply as an imagination, as some mystical thing, when we view our faith in that manner, it, it doesn't give us, it has no substance, and we can't lean on it, and, and we, can't, we can't wield it in times of need, and, and we, we can't do anything effective with it. Therefore, we do nothing. We accomplish nothing. 
Think about Job. Job was a, was a man of faith. The Lord talked about his great, his great faith and his, his strength. So in Job's darkest moment, in his deepest, darkest moment, what did he say? In Job chapter 13 and verse 15, he states, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Think about that for a moment. You know, so often we, we, we focus our attention on the things that God hasn't done for us. And we forget about all the things that God has done for us. You know, when I find myself a little discouraged, when I find myself a little downtrodden, I'll stop and, and think about all the things the Lord has done for me. And when I get to start to thinking about that, you know what? <laughs> Anything I have to face for him becomes totally unimportant. Just think about it for a moment. All the things that God has done for you in your life, yet we are like spoiled children, aren't we? We're like spoiled little children. As soon as something doesn't go the way we want it to go, as soon as we don't get what we think we should have, what do we do? We start complaining to God. And we start acting like we're some, we're some persecuted, downtrodden individual. Here Job is, he's on top of the ash heap, the garbage pile. He's filled from head to toe with puscules, with boils, oozing and leaking, putrefying pus. And the only way he can get any kind of relief at all is to take a broken piece of pottery and open those, those boils and lances, uh, lance them open and get them, get them to take the pressure off. That's all he can do for relief. And to, on top of that, he's got his friends around him, his so-called friends, telling him why he, well, you're going through all of this because of this and this and this, and you, you're this and this and this. And through all of that, Job, through all of that, probably I would have caved in and, and, and just collapsed like a tent. But Job says, though God, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And let me tell you something, in order, in order to utter words such as that, you must have a tangible faith. You must have a substantial faith. A faith of substance. A faith of, of the, that, that you can lean on. Like this, like this pulpit. When you're weak, you can lean on this pulpit for strength, for support. And that's the kind of faith Job had. God, you, you want my life? Take it. It's yours. But I, I won't stop trusting you. I won't remove my faith from you. In 32 plus years of ministry, I've seen so many people quit. I've seen so many people come to a point in their life where they just give up and quit. And do you know why? Because their faith is empty. They quit because of their faith is not a substantial faith. It's not, it's not a, a, a tangible faith. It's simply a, it's simply a concept. It's simply an idea. And, and people mistakenly think that they can wait until times of trouble to start exercising faith. Listen, if you wait until trouble starts, you're not going to make it. You need to have faith with you at every moment of every day. Job's faith was a tangible faith. It was one that he could draw upon in a time of need. It was one that compelled him to trust in God. It was not a mere concept. It was a sustaining and substantial faith. 
Now, what about you this morning as you sit here in this room? What, what about your faith? Is it a tangible faith? Or is it simply a concept? Now, I know we all think at, at the right moments we'll all think, oh, my faith is a tangible faith. Well, you better make sure it's a tangible faith because when you need it, you better have it there to draw on. Amen? Because the devil's good at what he does and he will attack you at your, at your most vulnerable point and without a sustaining faith, without a substantial faith, you will buckle and you will fall. This tangible faith is not a product of man. It is not something that we can attain by our own merit or by our own purpose. It is a gift from God. It was a tangible faith that drove the four men to bear their invalid friend to Jesus in Mark chapter 2. Turn with me there real quickly, Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, and we'll begin in verse number 2. Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 2, we read, And straightway many were gathered together, and so much that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. In other words, imagine if he was in this room preaching. This room, this room would have been so filled that there was no place, no other place to stand. People would have been crowded at the doors and the windows, and, and there would have been no way to approach him whatsoever. Verse 3, And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. So there's four friends carrying their 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 palsied uh, friend on a, on a gurney. Verse number four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus, verse five, saw their faith, when he saw that faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. This was, a, this was not just an empty faith. This, this was a substantial faith that these men had. These men had a compelling faith that they knew if they could get their friend to Jesus that everything would be okay. And they, they, had, a, they had a tangible faith. Their, faith. their faith drove them to action. Theirs was a, was a, there was a substance to their faith. It was tangible. They knew their only hope lay in Jesus and their faith drove them to action. That's, that's one of the interesting things about a tangible faith is it, it drives you to action. You see, a, a, a tangible faith, a substantial faith, will not allow us to just sit back and, and watch people die and go to hell. It will not allow us to just sit back and watch our children go into the world without, without interjecting ourselves into their lives. A, a tangible faith will not allow you to just sit back. If you are content in just sitting back in your life and not doing anything of any true impact to the kingdom of God... If you are content in that, then your faith is not a tangible faith. Because throughout scripture, we see men of tangible faith, they are, they are getting, their, their feet are put to action. Paul, the apostle, uh, Peter, James, John, all these, all the apostles, all these men, um, Stephen, the deacon, and, 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 uh, Philip, the deacon, these men were driven to action. They didn't just sit back and say, okay, I'm a deacon in the church now, I'm a big shot. Everybody's got to grovel when I walk in the room. And, and you know what? Sad to say, there's a lot of deacons like that in this country. 
who think they're little kings with little fiefdoms. Truth of the matter is, deacons are supposed to be the greatest servants in the church. They should lead the way in service. I'm not picking on our deacons this morning. That's not even in my notes. But we're driven to action. You know, if we all had, I can't see the time. If we all had a tangible faith, the pastor wouldn't have to stand behind this pulpit and say, I hope to see you in church on Sunday night, because you'd be here. The pastor wouldn't have to say, well, I really hope you all come to Wednesday night uh, um, evangelistic studies, because you'd be here. If you have a tangible faith, if you have a, if you have a faith with substance, it will not allow you to sit at home when you should be in the church of God. It will compel you, it will drive you, it will put action to you. We must have a tangible faith. This is the faith we need this morning. This is the faith every child of God needs this morning. Not a faith, not just a faith that causes us to believe, but a faith that causes us to act. A faith that makes us get up and and go. Not a faith that seeks to tear down and destroy, but a faith faith that seeks to build up and edify. A faith that will cause us to love one another and and, and compel us to to lift one another in a spirit of love, not in a spirit of of envy or hatred or, or, or despise. We need a faith that is substantial, one that will cause us to live our lives to the glory of God the Father. So first this morning we see that faith has a substance. But then secondly this morning I want us to see the witness of faith. The witness of faith. Look again at Hebrews 11.1. 1. We read, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In Hebrews 10.38 we read, now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back... My soul shall have no pleasure in him. Now, it's easy to exhibit faith. Listen to me carefully. Although it may not be a tangible faith, it's easy to exhibit faith when your bank account is full. It's easy to exhibit faith when your job is secure. It's easy to exhibit faith when your health is good. When you're healthy and you got a good, good, secure job and your bank account is full, it's easy to have faith. It's easy to, it's easy to take out that checkbook and write that check to the church, isn't it? Throw that thing in the offering plate. Oh, I got faith. I tithe this week. No, you, you don't have, you exhibited faith, but you don't have faith. See? Those things don't mean that you have faith. Even even unsaved people at times can exhibit faith under those kind of conditions. They can do things that would cause someone to say, well, at least they believe in God, at least they have faith. However, when things aren't going well, when everything around you seems to be falling apart, How about then? What's your faith like then? In these times, in the good times, we can exhibit faith. But what about the bad times? 
What about the difficult times? Now, in, in these times, if you can exhibit faith, then this is a witness. Your faith becomes a witness. It's evidence. Your faith begins to, your faith is seen by others and they begin, it begins to evidence to them that your faith is not simply a, a, a concept. It's, it's substantial. It's, it's tangible. It really means something. When my friend, back before I got saved, when, when, I, when I hired him, he worked for me in my construction company, I'd look at him and I'd say, he has something I don't have. His life witnessed to me. Now, I know that some people would turn over in their grave hearing me say that. They'd say, oh, lifestyle evangelism. Oh. Well, let me tell you something. Your life does witness. Whether you, whether you want it to or not, it does. The life you live is a witness. It's a, it's, and by the way, it's a stronger witness than your mouth. You ever hear the old saying, your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks? Huh? Your, your testimony, your, the, the life you live is a stronger witness than what you can say with your mouth. Because people can't see what's in your heart, but they can see what you're doing. And when we exhibit faith, that's a, that's a witness, that's a testimony to those around us. It's the evidence of the things that we do not see. When everything around you is falling apart... Your, wit- your faith can be a witness. It is a witness of God's grace and his mercy. It is a witness of God's faithfulness to provide for his children. It is evidence of the presence and power of God. Consider for a moment the three Hebrew children. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now these three men had what I call a tangible faith. A substantial faith. And, and by their faith, They stood in defiance to King Nebuchadnezzar. As he proclaimed that they were to fall down and worship this idol, they stood in defiance to that by their faith. Their faith upheld them. It gave them strength. It was was something they could draw upon for that time of need. And their faith gave them witness. Witness to the things that could not be seen. Nebuchadnezzar could not see God. But their faith revealed God to him. It was a witness. It was an evidence to him that what they had was real. The presence, the power, and the protection of God were real. And he could see that. The evidence of those things were real to King Nebuchadnezzar because he saw them in their life. The same could be said for all the heroes of the face listed. If you're there, look at Hebrews chapter 11. We'll save a little time by going to verse number four. We read here, By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. See that? He obtained witness. It gave evidence of his faith. Verse five, By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. What about... uh, Verse number six, we read, but without faith, it is impossible to please God, to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So often by our lack of of tangible faith, we claim to have faith in God, but we don't really trust him. We don't really depend upon God. And and this does not please God. God is not pleased when when we have an empty faith and we, we mouth with words that we trust him, but we don't exhibit it by our lives. 
Verse number seven, by faith Noah, being warned of God and things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. You see that word moved. He moved. His faith moved him. His faith moved him. By faith Abraham, verse eight, when he was called to go into a, into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went out. Uh, but verse nine, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise. Verse 11, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. I could go all the way to the end of the chapter and I intended to, but for time's sake I won't. Looking at each of these individual heroes of the faith and what you will find, what you will find in each one of their lives is a substantial faith, a tangible faith, a faith that drove them to action, that moved them to do something. Not a faith that simply they sat in the pew and said, I believe. But a faith that made them stand up and do something for God. That's the kind of faith we have to have. So if we are to be usable tools in the hands of God to preach the gospel and carry out the Great Commission, then we're going to have to have some things. We're going to have to walk worthy of God the Father. We're going to have to walk circumspectly, disciplined and heedful. We're going to have, we're going to, have to walk in holiness the holiness that is found in Christ Jesus. We're going to have to walk in the spirit with an awareness, with an agreement, with a compliance, and with a submission. We're going to have to walk in love, love for God the Father, love for Christ the Son, and love for our fellow brethren. And we're going to have to walk in faith, a tangible faith, a real faith, a substantial faith. One that, one that lifts us and makes us move for Christ. And that faith has already been given to us. That, 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 that type of faith is ours. All we need to do is exercise it. All we need to do is believe it, understand it, claim it, and use it. And submit to it. Tools in the hands of God. That's, that's what I want to be. I, I simply want to be a tool in God's hand. After I got saved all the way back in 1981... I knew that I couldn't do anything else with my life but serve the Lord. My life would have been meaningless. It would have been, it would have been what God did for me would have had no meaning unless I changed my life and, and, and lived the rest of my life for Christ alone. The jobs that I work, they're simply a means to provide for my family. They're not my career. People, people say, well, what, what's your career? I tell them, well, I'm a minister. I work for the Lord. That's my, that's my career. I don't, I don't need a career. I already have a career. <laughs> and I'm content in that career. Everything else I do is simply a side. It's simply a means to an end. Get your focus. Listen, far too many of God's people today are focused on being, having a career. And church is all way over here on the side. And God is way over here on the side. And it's something they pick up once a week and dust off. And, and, and then come Monday they put it back aside and they go on about their life. Your children, how are you raising your children? What, what, what is the emphasis in their lives? Are they going to grow up seeking a career in the world, or are they going to seek, grow up seeking to fulfill God's will for their life? Well, I guarantee you they won't if you won't. And it takes a substantial faith. It takes a faith that has meat on its bones. Not just a skeleton, but Mr. America. I would show you, but I would, I would breed jealousy in the church. And I don't want to do that. So, Listen, you think it's easy to build a body like this? 
It takes discipline to keep a body in this shape. You know, the most important thing in our lives is God. Nothing else. Nothing else matters. God will give you all the things you need. He will, he will provide for your children all the things he wants them to have. Do you trust him? Do you have faith? See, that's the problem. We don't have faith. We say we have faith, but then we have to go through life and manipulate, making sure all the things happen for our children the way we want them to happen. And what we may very well be doing is building our children and sending them off in a direction away from God rather than to God. God knows what you need. He knows what your children need. He knows what your home needs. He knows what our church needs. He knows all these things. And he has already promised he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He promised he will provide all the things we need. Do you have enough faith to say, I believe you, Father, and trust him? That's the real question. Okay, i got to shut up. So, that's it. I hope I sparked this, just sparked something in your heart that's going to cause you to go away and, and really study. What, what, what is my faith? What is my faith? How strong is my faith? Am, am I, am, do I have a tangible faith? And, and don't stop until the Holy Spirit reveals to you the truth and fills you with his, with his presence and you, you develop that, that faith in God that God wants you to have. All right, folks, we're going to stop for today. Thanks for being here, and you are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www dot bbaptist dot org